the optimal life. Okay, welcome back, you two. It's been uh, it's been a while, twenty months, give or take, since we last got together. And uh, just as we were getting logging in here, Ashley, what did you say about tears? Oh, I said I hope we leave adequate time for tears in the hour we've allotted for this podcast because that's characterized much of the last few days for me and most of the women I know. What what about what about the last few days have made you so upset? Well, I mean, you said it had been twenty months since. Uh, we were last here on the, with Tom and I on the podcast, but in some ways it feels like we've gone back more than 200 um, because we are now apparently defining what women's rights should be in our allegedly free and equal society based on the work of the common law um, under which women were burned as witches. So I'm, I'm just very confused at where uh, women fit in a society post-Dobbs. It has been a stunning and just mind-blowing change of, of reality for those of us who've lived our entire lives under Roe. So I wanted to ask you, before we start getting into the uh, abortion, Roe v. Wade being overturned, um, I, I wanted to go back to, to 20 months ago. You were here to support uh, President Biden, and Tom was in support of that time President Trump. Uh, obviously, your guy won. Two years later, are, do you regret that you voted for Biden or are you happy with the way things have been going? Well, I can't imagine how much worse it would have been had Donald Trump been reelected. Um, so I'm going to go with, with I'll, I'll, I'll take what I can get. I am one of the few progressives that's um, not personally offended by incrementalism. I'll take what I can get in any given situation. Um, you know, in, in many ways, I blame a lot of where we've gone uh, on the folks who were just not satisfied with how progressive Al Gore was or just didn't like Hillary Clinton and so didn't get out there and make their voices heard by exercising their fundamental right to vote. And uh, we see the results of, of people who have tried for decades to undermine what was an imperfect but correct recognition of women's need to control their own bodies to participate fully in society. So there's so much, it's, it's hard to even unpack. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious, Ashley, would you vote for President Biden again if he ran in 24? What are my other choices? Any, would you vote for him no matter who, what Republican he ran against? Um, I can't imagine there being a pro-choice Republican that would be on the ticket of the party that for decades has told us they want to undermine our fundamental liberties. So, I mean, absent a pro-choice Republican, I, I can't imagine voting for the non-Democrat. So this issue is your, this is like your hot button issue. This is your top, this is at the way top of your list. Yeah, this is whether I get to be a free and equal citizen and whether my daughter does as well. So I, I think that I can't imagine any amount of money being more important to me than that. Like taxes don't get me as revved up as this. I know they get some people really revved up, but um, I'd rather they take all of my money than my fundamental liberties. So, so yeah. let's go it's into whatever Democrats up there. <laughs> let's go into this. Um, I want to read to a post, Tom, that you uh, I'll shorten it because it was a little bit long but a post that Tom did a couple days ago on Facebook. And I want to get your reaction, Ashley, and then we'll go back to Tom. Tom said uh, the Dobbs decision rightfully returns the issue of abortion to the people, we the people, and their elected state representatives. As Justice Kavanaugh correctly recognized in his concurring opinion, it is not the Supreme Court's charge to take sides. The Supreme Court must remain neutral in its interpretation of the law. The issue of abortion is not a recognized right in the Constitution, nor is it deeply rooted in our history. Roe, as pointed out by Alito and Kavanaugh, chose sides, much like a legislator, precluding those who disagree to benefit from the democratic process. Now abortion is left to you, the people, not the government. Would you really want it any other way? If you desire to kill a child, it is still your right to do so as grotesque as it is. It's just no longer sanctioned as a constitutional right because it never really was. Just go to California, New York, Illinois, or some other genocidal state that allows abortions. But quit bitching, because today's opinion gave rights back to the people and will save lives. Quit bitching out of ignorance. And if you are black, fucking rejoice. 
because since Roe, abortion has extinguished literally generations of the black population by a highly disproportionate amount. Talk about racism. And then Tom finishes by saying today's opinion, limited government control without limiting any female's ability to get an abortion if she really wants one. Get educated before bitching. Today was a good day. And if you protest this post outside of my house, I will exercise my Second Amendment rights. What's your response to that? Well, if I were a law professor, I'd certainly want to see that printed out and I'd get my red ink out to go through because there's too many. There's just too many things to hit. Um, you know, I, I fully respect Tom's right to feel the way he does about this issue. I respect everyone's um right to feel however they want to feel in their own conscience about what abortion is, what abortion means, when life begins, when life ends, who gets to make those decisions. And the problem is, is that the other side of this issue doesn't respect my views in return. I mean, under a, a, a pro-choice, fundamental liberty approach to this issue, everybody gets to make their own call for their own life. And that in and of itself is the essence of liberty is not having other people come in and vote on whether you get to have rights. Um, separate and apart from that, let's not pretend like the overwhelming majority of Americans support a woman's right to choose abortion care. 67% um, of women uh, at, at last polling numbers and close to 60% of all Americans. So this issue really hasn't been returned to individual voters certainly not in the gerrymandered system in which we find ourselves. So the idea that we can put people's ability and rights to participate in society up to the approval of others is tyrannical. It is not something that is acceptable um, in a free society. It, it endorses notions of women as being relegated to second-class citizenship and, and specific gender roles, such as elevating the role of mother or at least of you know, child bearer, even if the even if the labor ends at the at the delivery, the idea that women have to perform this work because the state or their fellow citizens want them to is horrifying to those of us who have the capacity to do this amazing thing. Um, I, I really in many ways wonder why people who can't make people out of sex and food get to have a vote on this at all. We are amazing. And to, to make it compulsory takes what should be a beautiful thing that people do to build the families they want and turns it into something miserable that's going to hurt so many people until we unfuck it. So we're on it. Tom, how, what, how do you respond to that? Well, there's, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but um, most of it, and again, I say this respectfully. Oh, uh -oh. we lost Tom. <laughs> We lost Tom. I think this that's is, a, Tom was about to give us something good. That is karmic right there. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Probably. All right. We're back on. We lost you. That, that was that was karma. <laughs> I yeah. Tom, I don't know. Anyways, go ahead. So what I was what I was going to say is, again, obviously, respectfully towards uh, Ashley, her 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 monologue was essentially the same hyperbolic uh, statements and arguments that uh, anyone from the left has on this issue, but is completely, um, absent any real facts. Uh, just going back to her original statement, paradoxically, if we were to go back 185 years or 200 years, um, abortion's illegal and it's a crime. And, uh, Justice Alito, uh, outlined, uh, the fact that abortion was not deeply rooted in the history and tradition of our country. Uh, for 185 years before Roe was even decided, and it wasn't until a couple of years before Roe was decided that any real uh, legal analysis uh, was attempted to put forth on whether or not, uh, whether or not it, was, it was a right. Um, the, the Dobbs decision does two things. Uh, well, I'll say it does three things. Uh, number one, it does not relegate women into caveman status or cavewoman status. Again, that is just hyperbole. It's factually and realistically not true, uh, despite what Ashley says about it. Uh, second of all, it returns uh, 
it returns the rule of law and supports the rule of law. It returns this issue to the states where, where it always belonged and where it does belong. And where, again, 185 years before Roe was even decided, it was deeply embedded there. And it preserves human life uh, and it protects human life. And, and Justice Alito was very care, careful to discuss this issue in his decision where this, the, the, the issue of abortion is, is different than any of the other rights that have been attempted uh, uh, or have been upheld to be fundamental. This has to do with the protection of a fetus. It has to do with the protection of an unborn life. And, and it makes, those things make a difference. And he, he goes on to say that the court is not there to weigh those issues. Those issues have to be weighed by the individual states, which includes cost, which includes access, which includes how it can be done, if it can be done, whether or not uh, there's, there, there are, are schemes and provisions to it. So the, the, you know, the Dobbs decision does not take away the right of abortion to women in this country. It just does not do that. And they went out of their way to say that. What Dobbs does do is returns the issue or restores the rule of law to the issue and returns the issue to the states. So if Ashley or her daughter or whatever, whoever the women she is that she's talking to that are, that are upset by this, if they still want to get an abortion, they still can. They just can't get it in a state that says it's not allowed. And that is based on the representation of the people of that state. And that is what the Constitution says. There's no fundamental right of abortion in the Constitution. It is not there. Even the dissent in uh, Dobbs, uh, the three liberal justices, concede the fact that there's no fundamental right of abortion in, in, the, uh, in the Constitution. They rely on the 14th Amendment uh, for, for this amorphous idea that it's in there. And by the way, they, when Roe was decided, and Casey came in, the, the secondary case, uh, the follow-up case to Roe, the, the Casey majority didn't even like Roe's decision. They, they knew it was bad. And, and they, 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 they axed the, the trimester schematic analysis and they said, no, it's, it's the 14th Amendment. But they didn't do it without weighing any of the history of abortion, which Alito does an incredibly meticulous job of laying out in this decision and shows that it's not deeply rooted in our history. But if Ashley wants to get an abortion or her friends and, and she's going to tell me, well, Tom, well, what about the cost and this and that? Well, you know, we're not we're not uh, horse and buggy anymore. We're, we're not 200 years ago. If, if a woman really, really, really wants to get an abortion, uh, she can still get an abortion. And my guess is the 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 liberal states such as New York, who's already indicated they're, they're providing safe spaces for those who I want to know, abortion. that hurts your feelings oh, when oh, you hear safe space. Hold on, I didn't interrupt you. But um, <laughs> I uh, didn't talk this long. <laughs> but yeah, you did. But uh, even New York is providing a safe space. There's going to be, I'm sure, federal money aimed at these uh, individuals, these women who would like to go out and get an abortion. So nobody's getting uh, uh, this right taken away from them. They merely yeah. have to go someplace else who approves it in accordance with the will of the people which is constitutionally correct. Let me push back on that last point. With the Hyde Amendment, how is that even possible for the federal government to throw money at abortion? The Hyde Amendment precludes the spending of expenditure. Well, of ask AOC, care. who is now uh, uh, propagating the idea of building uh, these uh, abortion clinics, probably with Planned Parenthood, Parenthood leading, Planned Parenthood leading the way on federal lands. And oh, by the way, uh, the federal government gives millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood uh, every year. And they are the chief killer of babies, including, and most importantly, as I indicated in my, my post uh, on Facebook, which I, I think is a critical issue, mm -hmm. is the fact that abortion has killed generations of black babies. And, and, and you know, I'm, glad we're, you're, avoiding, you're, you're, I'm you're, glad we're avoiding hyperbole here. It's very well, it's true. No, it's not. It's not, it's not hyperbole move, if it's true. Before we move on to, to like a, a different route, let's ask ourselves, 
why historically the right to abortion wasn't protected under the common law, under the original constitution. Might that remotely be because there were no women in charge of anything? Could that possibly have something to do with the fact that women's rights weren't equal to men's at that point? And is that a reason to prevent them from being so now? These laws were enacted when we had no say at the ballot box, none whatsoever. We were literally the property of our fathers and then our husbands. We were not independent, functional human beings in the first place. So it's not surprising that no one was looking to protect our rights. That is a significant point, which continued through the time that Roe was decided and the nine men sitting on the Supreme Court I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little secret here. When I first read Roe in law school, I was like, huh, that, that's why? That, it was very unsatisfying. The reasoning was extremely unsatisfying. So much so that um, there's actually a, a book called Roe Should Have Said by uh, law professor Jack Balkan and a bunch of you know top con law scholars wrote either concurring or dissenting opinions, giving their reasoning on you know why Roe should have been decided either the way it was or a different way, but what reasoning would have been applied. Because I don't think we need the substantive due process for this. We, we just don't. We don't at all. We need the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment read properly through the lens of the 19th Amendment, which brought us into full citizenship. And we need to stop paying attention to anything that happened before that point because we didn't have a say in it. It's not a reason to continue to cause us to have less than full participation in, in our communities, in education, in employment. You know, there are plenty of ways to encourage women to bear children that the government could reasonably engage in. It could provide free prenatal care. They could send people out to your house in the evenings to do the prenatal care so you don't have to miss work. If you're an hourly worker, that's gonna make a huge difference. The federal government or the state governments or the local governments could do any number of things to provide support during the, the post-birth period. Um, when people are physically incapable of getting up, it is not like it's a question of, oh, just snap back to the office, honey. Um, it is a physical ordeal that, that doesn't allow you to participate in the world. And that's with a normal pregnancy. Um, the government could pay people money and say, look, if you don't have an abortion, if you carry this pregnancy to term, we will give you X number of dollars. All of these are perfectly acceptable ways to encourage the, whether it's the protection of unborn life, the creation of new people, however you want to phrase it, there are lots of ways to do this that don't involve getting between a person and her doctor about how she's going to care for her own body. This is not something that happens to men. And the, the complete rejection in the majority opinion and the concurrences of the notion that this, this is somehow a sex-based situation is mind-boggling. It is absolutely mind-boggling. How is pregnancy not a women's issue? How is this not sex-based? I've never met anyone without a uterus who can do this. Hey, well, Ashley, I, I have a question for you real quick, Tom. Hmm. I, for me or for Ashley? For Ashley. I, I totally hear what you're saying, and I understand it. Um, when I hear you say that, my, my immediate reaction is then to the, um, the COVID stuff, where you, you know the government was mandating all this and mandating all that, and then nobody seemed to care about their body and their rights and all that stuff then I know it's a little different when it comes to just the woman, the woman's only, only a woman can carry a baby, of course, but you didn't mind the mandates from the government when it came to uh, the things that we had to do, whether it was vaccine masks, et cetera. So wh what's the difference? Show me the difference. The government didn't make me get a vaccine. That's not true. I didn't have to do it. Yes, I, not true. I, I, I fully decided to go and get my vaccine. I'm confused about why you would think otherwise. What about places that that like in New York City where you had to show there were certain places in Chicago, New York, other places where you had to show vaccine passports, maybe not necessarily here in Cleveland. But how about those people? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was I was certainly in cities where you had to show, you know, a picture of a vaccine card to get into a place. Um those are private businesses who are allowed to do what they want. They don't have to let people in if, if they're concerned about a health crisis. I mean, this was a communicable disease that where your actions affected other people. 
I mean, I certainly wouldn't have supported a nationwide mandate on vaccines. That's putting something into your body that isn't your choice, that people shouldn't be forced to do stuff with their bodies that they don't want to do. And yet the same people who were the most hair on fire, or maybe in your case, you know, headphones on fire, Nate, about vaccine mandates are now like, nope, totes fine that we're not going to let women have abortions. That, you know, we can make you do this with your body. Um, it, it, it's a little bit, you know, internally inconsistent. Hey, uh, we know how where Tom stood because we talked about this actually on the first podcast. You guys went into this uh, hot button topic for a little while. And I remember Tom was like pro-life. So there's no there's no gray. I mean, we know where he stands and, we're, and I want to get to you, Tom, so you could reiterate that. But I want to ask you first, Ashley, where in the pro choice, in the process of the pregnancy, are you, let me just cut to it. Are you of the opinion that a woman at like 38, 39 weeks could still have a right to abort the baby? I think only in the most rare of circumstances where, you know, you've got a situation where this child's going to be born in pain or with some sort of fatal malformation that makes it, that's inconsistent with life. Um, you know, people at 38, 39 weeks are not using abortion as birth control. They're using it as, either to protect the life of the mother from serious injury or death, or because the fetus isn't going to be what they wanted it to be. I mean, these people are already to the point that they want this baby. Nobody gets to be 38 weeks pregnant without wanting their baby. Why are you making their lives more miserable by getting the government involved in their personal tragedies? No one has a 38-week abortion for birth control. That's not a thing. Real, real quick, Ashley. Tom, if there's a woman that's 38 weeks pregnant and the doctor says, we need to abort the baby for, to save the, the woman's life, if that's, what, what would your take be on that? Well, I, I think that woman has the same right to choose this, uh, the choice that my mother made for me. That, that's, the same, that's the same fact pattern that in 1968, my mother's uh, doctor, gynecologist gave her. She said, uh, you can get an abortion, uh, in which case we would all not be talking together today, or you're going to die. It was put to her that way. And she chose, to, she chose life. And, and, and both survived and both flourished thereafter. Uh, look, might there be some medical emergencies uh, that, that make sense? There might, and in most of the legislation right now uh, in the states that, that ban abortions uh, and that will likely ban abortions, I think will do and will have provisions regarding severe medical emergencies. Um, but guess what? It's going to be the legislate. It's going to be the legislation or the legislatures of those particular states that determine not only that, but determine what, in fact, the medical emergency is, and and what we can benefit from now today more than at any other time is is medical technology and science in determining what is or what are those medical uh, emergencies uh, worthwhile uh, in in doing that. So, uh, but I, I I do want to say one thing, you know. One thing Ashley is avoiding or not talking about, there's a couple of things. Number one, the Roe decision was a piece of legislation and, and everybody believes in that. It wasn't, it wasn't that it was just wrongly decided. It was, it, as, as Alito indicated, it was an egregious reasoning, but it was legislation and it was an abuse of judicial power. Justice Byron White indicated that many, many years ago. And that goes to the rule of law. The rule of law is the rule of law. It's the same for everybody. And I, I will just say this, and I understand Ashley's point, you know, women are the only beautiful people in this world, and I mean this, who can, who can make kids. But guess what? There's fathers out there who don't want abortions, and they've been, you know, there's been litigation for years over that. Now, am I saying that it's the same or as much as, as, the issues that women go through, not necessarily, but don't don't say that it's only a woman's issue because it's not solely a woman's issue. And it's a societal issue. Can you tell me a pregnant dude? I didn't interrupt you. And it's a societal issue. And finally, and most importantly, and I made this point on the show the last time, no one is here to defend the unborn child. 
And when a woman becomes pregnant, and I know Ashley hated this when I said it before, I'm going to say it again. It ain't all about you anymore. You are a vessel. You're a vessel of life. You're a vessel for life. And your chief responsibility is that child. Which proves my point. The state can't make me be a vessel for anything. Then go to a state. Then go to a state that says. Then go to actually go to a state. No, go to a state that says you can do whatever you want to do. Let the person who's actually done this three times talk about what it means to become a mother and to be that vessel. Well, I know what it's like to be a parent. You don't know what it's like to be a mother. You don't know. But I know what it's like to be a parent, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't cheapen that by saying that you're a woman. You have never carried a child. I have. I have never carried a child. But my love for my children is no less than the the love my wife has for my children. children. Obviously, anyone who has a child or cares for a child or is related to a child or adopts a child can love a child. But you can't be a mother and and make a person. If you're going to relegate me to the role of vessel, don't shout me down when I'm responding to that very. It's just rude to call me that. It's not not a vessel. If I determine that I want to create a family and make new people that I'm then responsible for, that's up to me. It's not up to anyone else. It's not up to your I husband? Not responsible. Is it not up to your husband? Well, it's my body. So we both just, had to be there, obviously. So if, we both if your had husband, to be there. I didn't do had, it. I don't spawn you, them on my own. When you had one of your three children, when you had one of your three children, and you thought, ah, shit, I just don't want this one. You, you wouldn't give it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't wait. What, what, what role does your husband play in that decision? All right. I'm fortunate. I mean, we had, we had our first two, we were like totally trying on purpose. We're going to do this. We knew exactly what, you know, I knew exactly when I should test to see if I was pregnant. I knew it like four or five weeks for sure. Like, yes, we did this. The third one, we call them our bonus round, not like aiming for that one. Um, And so it wasn't until I was like 10 or 11 weeks that we were like, wait a minute, like, We've been really busy. We've been taking care of these other kids, working. Shoot. Um, when was my last period? And, you know, we found out later on. Like some people in that situation, if they decided they didn't have the resources or the, the bandwidth to be able to do that right then, I fully support their right to make that decision for their family, which is not just for themselves, but for their spouse, for their other children. People get to dis- People should make responsible decisions about the resources that they have to bring children into the world. That's part of being a parent too. But the state doesn't get to tell me I'm a vessel for anything. Ashley, you you still haven't answered this question for me. Okay. So in Ohio, uh, it will likely sooner rather than later be, be illegal to have an abortion in Ohio. It's six weeks. It's essentially illegal right now. It's probably probably going to be, uh, here's my question. Most people who are having unplanned pregnancy know they're pregnant. So so it's essentially illegal now. Okay. Can I talk? So if if, makes sense. if go ahead, I, I'll make sense. So no, I said it makes sense. I wasn't if, talking. So you if, can go ahead. If you're if you're in Ohio and you're pregnant and you want an abortion, you can't have it. You can drive six hours to Illinois, less than six hours to Illinois, and you can get an abortion. You're not losing any rights. You're losing a right in the state in which you live, in which the people have decided an issue of the law that has been left to them. So go someplace else that agrees with what you believe your right to do to your body is, and you have that right. Why do you believe that people have adequate resources to do that, that they have childcare to do that, that they have the money not only to pay for the abortion, but to pay for travel? You are leaving out the vast majority of the people. I disagree. don't have that kind of money, but on what basis are you making that claim? I disagree because you know what? Like I said, we're not in a buggy and carriage society any longer. And by the way, maybe if, if Biden wasn't the president, who, by the way, has destroyed oh the economy Everybody in all in, in, in all in all in all in all objectively measurable ways, he's destroyed the, the economy. People would have more resources and more money to travel. But even Kavanaugh, in his concurring opinion, to his credit, which I believe we have, a, we have a fundamental constitutional right of interstate travel. No one's stopping you. And if He's somebody really there. wants, if somebody really wants to get there, they're going to get there. I, I can't, you know, you tell me what the statistics are because I haven't seen any. You tell me what the statistics are of mothers who want an abortion, who cannot go to a state and get one and are therefore prohibited from getting one. That's number one. Number two, Again, and I mentioned this the last time we we're on there. Let's talk about abortion, or, or, or let's talk about adoption. That 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 is a wonderful alternative. 
to abortion. And it's a win, win, win for everybody because it is because if you're going to, if you're going to get, if you're going to give your baby up for adoption, you're not going to really be paying for that. That's going to be part of the the deal. Okay. You're not going to be killing a baby. And you know what? You're not going to be doing anything that harms your rights because you're not going to be quote unquote stuck with this baby unless you think, unless you think that right is also narrowly confined to the pain that a mother goes through during childbirth, which you might, you might think that, and that's narrowly confined. Well, having delivered three kids at home, I can tell you the best thing about delivery is that as soon as you're sure you're going to die, it's almost over. Hey, Um, actually, I want to just ask uh, if I can interject, if I could real quick, you mentioned the example of you and your husband, not knowing on the third one, like 11 weeks, 12 weeks, and you can see how that could happen to somebody without realizing it. So is there a timeline for you, even being pro-choice, where there's a cutoff period like, okay, we're pro-choice up until week X? And if so, what is it? Well, I think at this point, I mean, when Roe was, ina- Ro was enacted, which I mean is probably the right way to put it, because I, I do take Tom's point that Roe was not well handled in, in, the, uh, in the rollout. Um, you know, I think it should have been done through the protection clause, as I said, but in any event, you know, at the time, back 50 years ago, very rarely did a second trimester um, pregnancy result in a live birth. Now medical science has advanced tremendously such that children born, you know, 22, 23 weeks can, you know, with significant NICU uh, treatment can, you know, grow and develop and into healthy kids um, or can, can survive um, after being born. That needs to be taken into account when trying to figure out what a reasonable line to draw is. I, I think that reasonable political judgments can be made about the contours of the right and when it, it can be um, limited. But I don't think most, it's certainly not six weeks and it's not never. Um, the never is nuts. The six weeks is really only people who were trying to get pregnant know they're pregnant in six weeks. Um, you know, the text or the, uh, the Mississippi law at 15 weeks might be a little early, but I mean, I'm comfortable with 20 or less. Um, but the, I, think, is, but I mean, not being a physician. But that's, um, a, that's a perfect example of the intellectual, intellectual and legal debate that should go on in all the legislative houses across the 50 states and making those determinations and not have some national standard based on some fundamental or implied constitutional right that simply does not exist in our federal constitutional and governing document. I mean, okay, I let me ask you t- real quick, to- Ashley, let me just ask Tom because Tom's stance, you, Tom, your stance is extremely black and white and, and there's no room for error. There's no room for wiggle. Uh, so a, a woman that's coming up in an impoverished area, she has a, a, a bad night. Maybe somebody spikes her drink. A man has sex with her. She doesn't even know it or and finds out the next morning, you know, something horrific. She has no money. She's she's living well below the means. You think it's still okay? You, you think that that woman should be forced to bear the birth of that child and bring that child into a potentially really, really tough life, especially if she doesn't want it? Well, again, I, I would initially disagree with the idea that she's being forced to do that because I don't think anybody is truly forced to do it. I think there's always options that can be exercised. That's number one. Number two, and I mentioned this in our, our first show together, that that was one of the toughest things for me to deal with because it is a tough situation. And that's where I indicated, and I'll indicate here again, I think adoption is the way to go. I am, I am deeply committed uh, and I am not ashamed of it to be uh, deeply committed to the preservation of life. As, as, as hard as that mother in that hypothetical would have it, that unborn child has absolutely no protection and has absolutely no options other than what the mother chooses for that child to do. And there's nobody else there to protect that child. So as, t- as, as tough of a situation that is, is and I'm not, I'm not unsympathetic to it, it's just my level of issue or my level of concern initially and, and, and always is for that unborn child. But the person who is already here has to matter at least as much. Like I'm here, 
women are here. We are full and equal citizens in this country. To tell us that someone who's not yet here, who's entirely dependent on our bodies to even have a chance to become here, to get a birth date and a name and all the other things we generally understand people to have, conscripting me into that labor is not something that a fair government can do. That is not consistent with ordered liberty. The fact that men didn't, the fact that men didn't recognize that when they were the only ones in charge is not a reason to continue that error. Uh, I don't think that is any reason to change or modify the rule of law that our forefathers have set forth. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's what they're called, Ashley. So don't don't. don't, don't, don't that, that, that's what, you know. You call it in those in, in the briefs that you write. I'm sure too. So that's what that, that's what they're referenced as. But the rule of law is the rule of law. So and and I, I also again I go back to this is I, I'd love to see those statistics. I don't think it's as bad as that hypothetical uh, uh, that that Nate laid out. I think that's probably the worst case scenario. So now we have this utilitarian argument that we can you know go down to is, is, is the needs of a few better than the rule of law for the many? And my answer to that would be no. I, th- I think that we're, that having lo- wa- watched this issue or seen this issue evolve through the lens of Roe, which is not terribly satisfying from a reasoning standpoint, and then Casey, which was even less so, we have missed the point about who should be the driving force in the individual autonomy issues at, at stake here. It should be the women. And, and I'll take it even this far. Um, if a pregnant woman wants to be pregnant, I am perfectly fine with the notion that say she's in a car accident, say someone causes a car accident and causes her to miscarry. I'm fine with the wrongful death action in that context. If that's what the woman wanted, I think that fetal life can be protected through the mother. And so if you want, if, if that's your objective, and you want to bring as many lives into this world and protect as much unborn life as possible, there are ways to do it that don't involve limiting people's ability to control their lives. You can encourage people. Many people would have more children if they knew they had free free and safe daycare options so they could continue to work. Where is the push to make fetal life valued by making sure that once it's here, we're going to help take care of it? Like no one wants to help. It's like little red hen time. Once the kid shows up, no one wants to help these women actually do the hard work of mothering. Like if you want to encourage people to be mothers, then don't make it so hard to be a mother. It's hard enough physically to bring the child into the world. But once it's here, people are less likely to want to bear children if it's going to be a crushing economic blow to their family. They have to care. So many of the people who get abortions are already mothers and they're thinking about the kids they already have instead of elevating the the rights of, of what is essentially a clump of cells. At, at most stages of development, this is not a, a functional independent entity that deserves to be held up beside me but and you're women, you're, adult women, as if it's an equal interest. It's you're, just not. You're, you're, you get to that through religion and religion is not the way that we run this country. I, I agree. The rule of law is, and you just acknowledged that Roe and Casey were were not sufficient as far as the rule of law goes. And, and you've yeah. resorted to an argument that, uh, hold on, you've resorted to the, argu- to the argument, well, well, Roe wasn't that great and didn't get us there. And Casey was even less that great. But, you know, yeah. we, we still should have this right. Well, the, the right has to emanate from somewhere. Not from, emotional, not, not, from an, not from an emotional standpoint. It's got to come from the rule of law. And, and I have to reiterate, yes, you are not, you, I have to reiterate are not losing Amendment. their rights to do what they want to do with their body. They just have to go someplace else that allows it. Yeah. For example, the women You're, in California. That is such a privileged the, position to the, take the, because the, the, most the, people don't have the that women, kind of the women in, The women in California. The women in California, the women in Illinois, the women in New York, the women in, I think, New Mexico and several other states have not lost their right of abortion as we sit here today. They haven't. So, you know. Okay, well, that's good for them. That's like, you know, five states. So no, there's more than that. You know, there's more than that. There's, there's way pretty, more than it's, that. It's a pretty but poorly colored map when you uh, when you look at when you look at it visually laid out. Let me just ask no, you, I, I want you. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying about Brown Casey. It, I think that it was the right answer 
but the wrong reasoning. And the reason it was the wrong reasoning is because no one who'd ever been through legally, you can't get to the right answer without the proper reason. Oh, we do it all the time. We do no, it all the time. It doesn't make you've it right. Never won, you've never won a case based on the wrong argument. Like for sure you have. Like uh, Ashley, so. Ashley, let me just ask you, why is it such a bad thing that the federal, the Supreme Court returned the power to the states? You mentioned even before you would not have been for a, a federal vaccine mandate. No, but so that was good that there wasn't anything federal in that regard. But why is it so bad that the states now have anytime I see the, the federal government kind of lose some power and give it back to the states? I actually kind of get encouraged because <laughs> to have one person or one group of people dictate everything for us to your point about vaccine mandate is uh, doesn't feel good. But, well, so why I in this is, 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 it, is it bad? As a, as a civil rights litigator, I can tell you that on balance, generally, we are looking to the federal government to protect people's individual rights against states, which are often more than happy to violate them and to not respect the autonomy and liberty and sanctity of people's bodies and their freedom. Um, we have seen, for those of us who kind of grew up in the generation after the Warren Court, we have kind of come to see the Supreme Court as an entity that stands up for people's rights and, and tells us, no, the government can't do this to you. The government can't do that to you. The government has to tell you if the right to remain silent. They got to give you a lawyer if they want to charge you with a felony. You know, they got to give you a speedy trial. They can't just jerk around with it. We've, we've come to see, I think, in many ways that are not accurate. Um, the Supreme Court is somehow the, the last arbiter of like, here's what individual rights are. But for much of its history and way more decisions than than fall into that Warren Court sort of bucket, the Supreme Court has been a defender of the status quo um, and has helped prevent progress all along. So when you finally get to a point where in Roe, the Supreme Court is acknowledging that women need to have some freedom to control their lives, I just don't think those nine dudes could cognize it in the way that it affects us in reality, the way it feels in our bodies when somebody tells us that we're going to have to do this, you know, whether we got, and, and I don't think it matters whether you got pregnant by, um, you know, by being raped or by intentional sex that you had on purpose for fun. I don't think that there should be differences in how we treat people's right to access reproductive health care. And certainly the federal government even though the Supreme Court hasn't always been there to, to back us up on this and certainly hasn't been in the last few days, we need to have as a backstop to abuses of power, particularly in the current gerrymandered legislative environment of the state governments, we need someone reading the Equal Protection Clause through the lens of the 19th Amendment, which gave us the full rights of citizenship, which means we don't have to stick to the old gender roles. Women who don't want to hold that role, even for nine months, don't have to, even if someone else would like to have the baby that she could be compelled to, to bring into the world. I was particularly in a throw up in my mouth moment when I read the footnote about the, the, the lamenting of a lack of domestic supply of infants for adoption. Um, that was a, a particularly gruesome aspect of, of the majority opinion, I thought. There is no entitlement to a domestic supply of infants for adoption. Adoption is not a be-all, end-all of, of solving this problem because you, you still have to get through the pregnancy and you can die from pregnancy. We have obnoxiously just horrible maternal mortality rates and, and infant mortality rates in this country. You shouldn't make people do that. But just because you give a child up for adoption doesn't mean that your suffering ends. It does not. Women need to be able to make choices about what's going to be harder for them. It may be... I, very difficult to imagine giving birth to a child and handing it to someone else. What an incredibly difficult and strong thing that must be to do. But it, it doesn't end there. You're going to potentially live with that suffering for the rest of your life. I think but you have a you have a you have a live child that also gets his life or her life. Why does that make maybe what if you what if your child winds up with horrible adopted parents and you suffer even more because what, of that? What if the Easter you Bunny comes know. to my house during Christmas? It, I mean, but it, should, I mean, but it should be up to the woman whether she wants to you know, make the decision to have an abortion and have that be what she lives with or make the decision to give a child up for adoption. And that be that be what she lives with, because these choices are, are 
foisted upon us by the accident of biology, we should at least get the benefit of the doubt in figuring out what's going to be best for us to live our lives going forward. Because we are human beings. What, what you're what you're articulating is precisely what Kavanaugh indicated in his concurring opinion is that the court isn't there to choose sides. The court is there to interpret the law. And the 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 supporters of Roe and the supporters of Casey, even though, like you, recognize the uh, uh, complete untenable legal reasoning of those two two opinions you like them because the court chose your way in in the face of the rule of law what the court did in dobbs it just went back and said look we're not choosing sides we're letting it up to the states and and again as loudly you could speak as loudly over me as you want during this little dialogue or and you can yell at me and you can laugh and smile all you want but you haven't lost any rights to abortion because there's states that still allow abortion to this day. You just have to go there and get it. Well, I and personally, I'm personally, not you personally, but women across, women across the country. A woman in a homeless shelter who finds out she's pregnant certainly does not have the means to go to California. Um, I, I think you're 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 really well, look, not I mean, you you're can, really your not hypotheticals, recognizing the your hypotheticals. Your hypotheticals can go to the nth degree all the time. Really but not why why is your choice? Why why is the fact that well, hold on? Why is the fact that you are happy with with the Roe Court and the Casey Court choosing sides that was your side, but you're not happy, especially as a lawyer, with the, the court actually following the rule of law. Because that, is, that is something that is incongruent to me. I mean, I can, I can answer that for you. I think I've said it a couple of times. The court reached the right conclusion in Roe, but through the wrong reasoning. We don't need substantive due process to get there. It was the correct holding of Roe that based on the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, read through the 19th Amendment, which granted women full and equal citizenship rights, that women have the fundamental right to control this aspect of the I'll, lives. Well, I'll look for you bringing that class action. And if we had, if we had done that, if, if that had been the way that Roe was written, I think we would have had a different reaction to it, and it would have become incorporated into the culture in a different way. Because it, yeah, I, I'll hey, leave listen, it at that. Listen, but I am listen. not saying that Roe was wrongly decided. I'm saying it was wrongly reasoned. This is a, a topic that that is clearly the most the most difficult topic for people uh, there. Nobody's ever going to see eye to eye on this topic. It is very complicated. It's very sensitive. Uh, Pro-life people are coming from it as just life begins literally at conception. Those little cells, like you say, Ashley, and then pro-choice people are looking at it as like, well, it's up to us. It's, it comes to, you know, how do we handle this first and foremost, and then we'll make the decision that's best for us. And I see see it on both sides. I know we're t- tight on time. Um, I want to finish it up. I want to give you guys both like one minute each to finish it off. Tom, why don't we start with you? Give us a uh, conclusion summary of, of your argument. And if you want to talk about where you see the direction of our country going, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, simply put, the sky's not falling the way uh, Ashley and other supporters of, of abortion are seeing it. Um, I think the Dobbs decision simply follows the rule of law and returns the issues to the states where it belongs. Uh, if, if the states, if whatever individual states want to have uh, rules that allow abortion uh, wholly or in part or however, it's going to be up to the, the deliberative process, which is how laws should be made and will be made. Um, and I think this is a good thing for the country. Like I said, it's a good thing for the rule of law. It's a good thing for the preservation of human life. Uh, women in, in the future, I do not see uh, mass death. I don't see uh, mass poverty. I don't see mass problems hitting uh, uh, females as uh, Ashley and and other supporters of abortion would like others to believe. I think that's fear mongering. Uh, I I don't believe the statistics either currently or in the future will ever bear that out. Uh, And I think things will be okay. And I think we'll have more kids and I think we'll have happier uh, uh, women uh, because of this. And I think it's a, I think it's a good thing for the country, and I think it's a good thing for females as a whole, and it's definitely a good thing for unborn children who who now have a chance. Ashley, final thoughts. Wow. Um, well, 
Thank you uh, for for having us back here again today. I don't think it's even possible to hit the tip of the iceberg on the ramifications of, of this decision in, in an hour long conversation um, because it is not as ho-hum as, as Tom would like you to think it is. It is devastating for the, at least for the 100 women at preterm in Cleveland who got calls on Friday night that they couldn't have their procedures the next day. These are now women in pain and suffering because they didn't want to continue a pregnancy. And now they're forced to do that by their government. And that is not the reality within which all of us of our generation have been raised. Um, the sociological economic impacts of this are going to be vast on everything from, um, you know, the resources schools need to, to have available to, to deal with the, the people that are going to be um you know, trying to educate these kids that are, are born through this forced birth that Dobbs mandates um, to the way that men and women interact in light of the, the lack of availability of safe and legal abortion care. It's going to be far reaching. But I think the, the, the silver lining uh, in this is that so many women who have almost been like irritated with how political I am among my friends who are like, why are you always like wound up about this and like calm down? Nothing's going to go wrong are now just absolutely agog and beside themselves and motivated to action in a way that I've never seen before. And that is giving me hope that at some point my government, both state and federal, will recognize that I am a free and independent human being who's entitled to make my own decisions about how I live my life. And I'd say that, you know, in final summary, you know, in the words of the of the great salt and pepper, it's none of your business why a woman wants to get an abortion and you need to stay out of it. Hey, guys, well said on both sides. Thank you very much for reconvening. This was fantastic. Very insightful and good, good to, to see both of you. Yeah, they- thank you. And thank you, Ashley. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps, wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.